Skydiving, this is amazing. Yeah, but you know what else is amazing? An iPhone 6S for just 49 bucks at Metro. Really? Imagine streaming all the way down with that amazing camera. I'm switching. That's smart. You know what else is smart? Parachutes. Woo! Switch to Metro and get an amazing iPhone 6S for only 49 bucks. Metro by T-Mobile. Phone offer requires port in of number not currently active on T-Mobile network or active on Metro in past 90 days. See store for details and terms and conditions. Back chat with Maria McCann. They have actually gone up with this and they're extremely savvy about the whole thing. So a lot of them know that when they look at a picture, they know it's been filtered. They know it's been edited. They actually know that a lot of what they see isn't the total reality. If you look at politics, you look at leaders in general, or you look at people who are entrepreneurs, very few of them are the highest achievers in their area mm. at leaving cert level. It's so beneficial and I don't think you realise until you see people who don't have it. Mm. Like who don't, who never sit down for a family dinner. People who don't even have a table anymore because nobody sits at it anyway yeah. so we didn't bother buy one. Back chat with Maria McCann. Good morning, you're very welcome into this week's edition of Backchat. And joining me in Backchat HQ this week, I have Maria Doyle and I have Catherine Cahill with me now. I suppose two things connect you two, mm-hmm. or one thing connects you two. Um, I suspect we'll find more before this. <laughs> uh, and we that found is, one or two already. Yes, we have a brother in common, I think, to start this whole thing well, going, yes. Not that we're kind of siblings that have only suddenly found each other. but uh, No. I would know Maria's brother, shall we say, but not in the biblical sense, I hasten to add. Yes, just from that time in the in the hotel, we remember, we remember. Well, I think um, Kira Best Doyle's forgotten, I think. Already, yeah. we're only, I think, eight episodes. This could be episode nine of Bank Chat, and already Kieran Doyle is a Bank Chat legend. He has so, featured. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it, it is exam time. It's... Um, I, I'm trying to remember back when I was doing exams myself and how it was so important and you got so worked up about it and I feel really sorry for, for the kids doing exams now because I didn't feel that young at the time but now that I'm getting older mm-hmm. I'm looking at them thinking you're trying to make decisions about your entire future and the pressure that that must put on you. Um, Am I kind of over-egging the pudding a bit there, Catherine? No, I, I, I agree with you, Maria, because, God, I mean, it's it's over 30, well, over 30 years since, well, 30, over 30 years since I did my Leaving Cert. And back in the day, you know, we had our grades were like A, B, C, D, and, mm. you know, that was kind of it. And uh, But nowadays, well, we went from, we've gone from this situation where there was divisions within those, like a B1, a B2, a B3, to this year now where they've gone to a completely different grading system. So they've um, gone, like, to H1, H2, H3, and so on. Uh, the, pl- the benefit of it is, is that for kids at higher level, if they achieve 30% at higher level, that is considered a pass and they will get points for it. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. It's a new thing brought in. I would have uh, totally aced that. Why didn't they have that when I'm... Yeah. <laughs> well, the idea behind it is that they, I suppose it's coming, I think it's kind of driven in a way by the universities in that they're trying to, and higher, uh, third level institutions, they're trying to encourage kids to stay at higher level so they develop their kind of higher order thinking. Um, and also now the points are kind of different uh, because what they found in in the past was you know you'd have a block of kids at you know 480 475 470 or whatever and when it came to random selection there was there was big blocks of kids at the same points level so now you know somebody you could get 37 points for a particular grade or whatever so there's mm. more variation within the points that children that students achieve so that when it comes to college places you know, they're they're not divided in blocks of five that it's more 
don't know if that makes sense, yeah, but yeah. it's more kind of divided up. Um, but it do, it really what they're trying to do is encourage students to do higher level if at all possible. So you know, whereas before you might be advising a, a child if you thought they were weren't going to achieve forty percent at higher level, you'd be trying to move them to ordinary level. Mm. Now, if they can achieve the thirty percent, they will get the points for it. So, Maria, you're more would be more associated with primary schools. Um, can you kind of spot achieving children? in primary school that will be always the, the ones who have all their work done and, you know, study hard and set goals for themselves or does that something, because I think something clicks in once some kids get to secondary school where they think, okay, I'm growing up now, I have to focus. No, you can you can actually spot it from a much, much younger age. Can you? Oh, absolutely. But now you see, given what Catherine has just been talking about, it, it sets off alarm bells in my mm. head straight away. First of all, the system by which the children achieve these points has not changed. I mean, it still involves children spending two to three weeks of intensive examination, sitting in halls. Now, I think we should be well gone beyond that system. I think we have to look at it more creatively because that's not fair to so many children. And I'm calling them children because they still are, even mm-hmm. though it's looking like into the future that you will have young adults actually sitting their examinations, that it will be 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds even, that are doing Leaving Cert. But that antiquated system where we expect performance over a two-week period has got to change. And until that does change, we're not going to have a real systemic change. But it's really interesting to hear about the um, point system at second level. And I'm going to bring you back to primary school where we have standardised testing, which is uh, now something that has to be done at primary level. It was probably done and certainly was done in my case in schools anyway, regardless. But the interesting thing is we are accountable now to the Department of Education and Skills for those standardised test results in primary schools and they take place in second, fourth and sixth class. And what's really becoming very evident is now that parents particularly are now getting hung up on these results Mm. and the pressure being put on children from a very young age to achieve what is considered to be you know, a decent score at second class level. Now you're talking about children doing their who are making their first Holy Communion at that stage is unbelievable. And it's very difficult to get a parent into the uh, to understand that this is a systemic thing that happens and that just because a child doesn't achieve an eight or a nine or a ten in a standardized test does not mean they're not working to their ability. Mm. So I think that, you know, if I had if I was in the position where I could radicalize a system, I would look more creatively at how we manage that whole system of testing. Mm -hmm. Testing by its nature is flawed because it doesn't really give the the children that have got, we say, huge potential but may not be able to perform on tests yeah. an opportunity. And I'm not just talking about children that might have, you know, a dyslexic tendency or any other, you know, special educational need. And I'm putting all children into that category. You could have children with anxieties, all those type children that come in not feeling the best on mm, the day, mm-hmm, mm. you know, or have not slept the night before because they're built up to, to an anxiety about the fact that they know. So the system itself really needs to change. And I don't think it suits a system, but it certainly doesn't suit a child. And it doesn't ser- uh, suit the young adult as well that is aspiring to go on into third level. And I'm interested to hear Catherine as well, because I would always have maintained that we develop critical thinking at primary level. Second level, the system actually sucks that out of 
young adults. You know, it does because a lot of, of what happens at second level is rogue learning, learning off passages. And then what do they want at third level? They want you to go back to being critical yeah. thinkers. <laughs> so, I mean, we really do need to look at the very basics here. And uh, and that's my soapbox for the, for the moment. Well, I slightly disagree with you on some of that now, because I would te- I teach English and I teach honours English at leaving third level. And while there can be a certain amount of, you know, like getting the information into your head and what are the key points about this particular poet or whatever it's it, it, well for those who do, who do better say at leaving cert level the questions are all it's all about adapting your knowledge to the question that's asked so it's not just going in and regurgitating because you have to be able to think critically and you have to be able to apply your knowledge to the type of question that's asked um, and, you know, I mean, I've marked work myself from my, from my own students before where, you know, they'll go in and they'll write everything they know about a particular poet, mm. but it won't score well because <coughs> it doesn't deal with the, 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 the question right. about yeah. the lyrical use of language or whatever. It doesn't actually apply to the question. That would be my leave inserts and I was baiting it into them. Look at the question. <laughs> what are the key words of the question? Keep referring back to that, you know. So it, it, they do, well, particularly in English, there is a focus on critical thinking within, say, the higher level leaving search. But we're talking here again. What are we talking about? Those high achievers, yeah, achievers. Yeah. You know, the average achiever who could do extraordinarily well. And, you know, if you look at even politics, you look at leaders in general, or you look at people who entrepreneurs, very few of them are the highest achievers in mm. their area mm. at leaving cert level or even at Do college level. We have an level. over-focus then on academic Absolutely. brilliance. Well, we have an obsession with it because it's the only measurable mm. piece we have. It's the only thing that can be measured. We don't have the capacity to measure the average person or the average child or the average adult mm. and how they happen to be average and what they can achieve because it takes a whole different mindset to do that you know and that's where we should be focusing because let's face it most of us are in that average space very few of us are you know in, in that top level area and you know I personally would never want to be there I wouldn't like to be in the head of somebody that is really hugely academically focused and is high achieved because I think that's a very uncomfortable space that I couldn't be in. For them, it's probably perfectly fine. But for me, I wouldn't be comfortable in that space at all. And I I think as well, the the pressure that that must must put on you if everything is geared towards points to get into university, Mm -hmm. you know, does nobody ask, well, maybe university isn't the place for you? You know, maybe you don't. You're you're the person that doesn't need to go to university. Precisely. Maybe it's it's just an extra pressure that you putting on yourself, or maybe your parents are thinking, "Oh no, you have to go to university." That it, it seems to me, and as speaking here as a non-parent, to be a lack in the education system that doesn't allow some kind of focus on who this person is. Mm. You know, mm. and then you get you know you want to be a doctor, but. You know, you're, you're not, you wouldn't have a good bedside manner. You'd actually be a brutal doctor. Yeah. You'd be a very clever doctor. Yeah. You'd frighten the life out of everyone who whose bedside you sat down with because you just don't have that innate caring in you. You're too analytical. You maybe be a scientist mm. or something. So you're not. we're not able to focus individually on people and that's a lack in the system. And maybe say, you don't need to go to university. The kind of things you're good at You'd be wasting your time. Well, I think, um, you know, there is a, there's a kind of a snobbery and a lot of it maybe yeah. comes from parents as well about, mm. about going to university, whereas, you know, a lot of the careers guidance advisors and that in schools now would also would be looking at, there are lots of different ways into 
a career or a profession that may not necessarily be the traditional get your points and go to university. And a lot of students would be advised in that direction. Maybe they can do PLC courses and work their way up from there. Maybe they can go. But do parents kind of, are parents kind of offended by the suggestion? I think some, and actually some students as well, because like a lot of students put themselves under pressure. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, sometimes it's, it, it's kind of hard, you know, if, if a student has a particular thing in their head, it can be difficult to derail them that maybe there's a slightly different, you know, slightly more circuitous route to get to where they want to go, but they can actually get there. But they don't like that. They like to see themselves on the fast track. And I'm listening to the minister saying now he wants to see more uh, students from disadvantaged backgrounds getting uh, an opportunity to go on. Even having to say that, mm. I think, is an indictment of a society and a system that we have here. Because there are so many other impediments to somebody that comes from a disadvantaged, what is considered a traditional disadvantaged background, to moving on into third level, which has nothing to do with potential, mm. you know, or uh, IQ. There are so many other things that would impede that person that I wouldn't even go into right now because, truthfully, I should never have been the achiever that I am right now. I should never have been the person that got to go to college because my background, Maria, would have been now considered in that disadvantaged space. I came from a, a council estate. You know, my parents didn't get to finish second level uh, primary uh, secondary school. You know, they they left early. I would now, nowadays, be considered a child of that disadvantaged group, you know. And that's what's interesting because I've lived that and Mm. I've moved on into where I am today. And my achievements I am very proud of and my family's achievements I'm very proud of. But I also know the struggles that were there to get to that. You know, and it's not easy for students nowadays that are from the traditional, what we would consider, cohort of disadvantage. Mm. Um, And I have a problem, too, with the typecasting. I really do, because I think whereas we do need to name the fact that, you know, certain areas and certain groupings do struggle. I was just going to say that you, you know? do all that work, you put all that effort in, mm-hmm. you overcome all the obstacles that are in your way and your address on your CV or whatever you want. Exactly. Destroys mm. it. On exactly. You. And that is still the case. You know, that is, and I don't care what people say, your address or where you come from or even what part of the country you come mm. from will make a huge difference to whether you get that top job or not. And anybody who says otherwise to me is not telling the truth. And that's not fair. Mm-hmm. It's not fair. No. And that's the system we have, you know, and the concentration also of so many of the services still in Dublin. And I have a huge issue around that. And I'm talking about services to children other than just education. I'm talking about, you know, um, mental health services, all of those things being concentrated in certain centres, Dublin being the main one, and then the rest of the country just doing piecemeal catch up. That's not right. So you have disadvantage by virtue of lack of access to services, which is nobody's fault as well. So we're deviating into a whole different conversation here now. It's a bit of a soapbox of mine because at the end of the day, no matter what systems you put in place, central to all that 
is the child. And if you're not doing what's in the best interest of the child or the young adult, well then the system is not supporting who it should be supporting. You know, I mean, you can throw whatever resources you like at it and whatever academics you like at it and, you know, hugely well-qualified teachers, etc. at it. And I'm one of those teachers. But unless that's actually translating into, you know, outcomes for children, then you need to rub it out and start again. Mm-hmm. That annoys me about CVs, actually, that people... First of all, that people don't answer. You know, they don't pay somebody the compliment of saying, we got your CV, thank you very much. Mm. Bit of manners. Like, you know, Mm. you expect this person, if they go to work for you, to have some manners. Mm. Well, you might start by showing some manners yourself because, like, it costs money for people to be applying for jobs, particularly if they're unemployed. Um, But also, you can't judge anyone from a page or an email or anything, you have to meet them. Mm -hmm. You have to see what kind of a vibe you get off them. You have to see, maybe I see a spark in this person. They're not what I thought I was looking for, but God, I I like their fire. I want them to come in and work for me. I think they'd be really good. I think I I could um, make something and use something Mm. that they have that I didn't realize that I wanted. It just annoys me that so many CVs end up not even, people don't even, they're not even seen because something about their CV doesn't fit some formula. If if you even think about something like a program like Dragon's Den, you yeah. know, and they come in and they've got all their facts and figures on, on you know, the, the paper stuff. But very often the dragons will say, I like you. It's you yeah, I want to invest exactly. in, you know, and you won't get that from, from a sheet of paper. Yeah. You know, so. But how, you see, this is the whole point. How do we move and shift back? Because I always maintained that the biggest mistake that was ever made in primary education particularly was when they took the interview out of primary education. I mean, I was interviewed before I was uh, accepted. When I got the call to come Mm -hmm. to Mary Macklet, I had to be interviewed first because they obviously knew then that I had the potential to move on into, into becoming a teacher. But equally, you can tell the people that are academically based and have fantastic results in their leaving cert that should never be inside a classroom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, hopefully you would hope that during the four years of their training that that would be seen and that the people that are supporting those students in the colleges would say, well, look, I don't think this is for you. You might decide mm-hmm. to go elsewhere. But equally, for uh, you, we were talking earlier about doctors. I mean, doctors do need a certain bedside manner. Yeah. They need to be personable. And you need they to do em- that empathy. they care about. Yeah. Exactly. So it doesn't need to be the person with the 610 points, you know, mm. that, that has their head in a book. You need to be able to look somebody in the eye and, uh, and speak to them directly. So I think that one-on-one, that personable approach, that touch where you actually meet the person and you have that conversation, not about anything academic, but just about everyday stuff. Yeah. Ask them about, you know, their interests, what they do, how they do downtime, what's their work-life balance like. That tells you a hell of a lot more about a person than whether they can achieve, you know, 400, 500, 600 Mm. points in any exam. And I'm back to the points, you see, that's where... Are we really serving our, our people well by having this points system that leads on to further education? Yeah, I think it's it's like totally pointless and it, it drives me mad. Pardon the pun now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It dri- even in terms of recruitment agencies, just sending people forward for jobs. They're not, there's no point in sending no. them in the first place, just so you can be seen to be doing something. Mm. And why not then interview the people and 
they might have something to bring to your company. Like this, it's a big mm. thing to give someone a job. Mm. You might at least pay everyone the courtesy who bothered to say they might want to work for you. Now I know in some cases they get hundreds of hundreds, but they could they could do something like the X co- Factor, a like, cost involved with you that, know, you know, in like, interviewing and you know, all that. Some kind yeah. of X Factor thing where not the head honcho <laughs> sees somebody. So you go in, and somebody they do some kind of a. A preliminary, just a yeah. preliminary thing mm. where they get to know somebody mm. and then they go, right, this person doesn't actually have what you said you wanted Mm-mm. in the ad, but there's something about them that I like. So I'm going to pass them on to the next tranche of, yeah. of interviews mm. and just give people a chance because so many people, I think, would make a huge impression if they were seen. Yeah, their, their CV mightn't be impressive, but if they're seen and they they can show because I think there's nothing more impressive than somebody who really wants to work for you. Yeah, mm. true. You know, true. and they, they passion means yeah. Everything. yeah. I've been now waiting you do for need a job to as well. Company. Let's be yeah. honest. I mean, everybody needs for particularly if you're going into certain areas. You know, you do need an intelligence mm. that is going to be able to you know sustain you in that yeah. particular career or whatever it happens to be. But I think we're forgetting about the person and. Interesting, Catherine and I were just speaking before we began around the instances of, you know, anxiety and the mental stress and that's on young children mm-hmm. nowadays. And I can tell you for a fact, as somebody who worked the system, that you can see that in four year olds and younger than Where four year olds. Where is it coming from? Are they being overprotected? It comes from lots of different areas. Like, for instance, what people have got to understand is we've come through a very, very austere time of depression and when the economy was on its knees. And that actually did have a more significant effect on people and their their well-being than we could ever quantify. We quantify that in terms of money. And they couldn't go on holidays or exactly. whatever. But <clears throat> the, the strain and the stress in society around that time wasn't measured to the extent of the impact it was having on adults and children at the time. And um, the other side of it too is that the expectation on young children and very young children to achieve and to manage at a very young age. And also, and we can't deny this, but the amount of people who are now using different uh, crutches like, you know, uh, illegal drugs and alcohol to actually prop themselves up on a day-to-day basis has increased exponentially. I mean, the number of people who are drinking at home on Mm. a regular basis Mm. and people who are using, you know, what's considered soft drugs nowadays, that has exploded but can't be quantified because how can you tell what's happening in, you know, inside Inside four four walls? walls, You know, so there are quite an amount of stresses and that translates directly onto children, directly onto children. And much as we think children don't soak up, children soak up from the time they are born. Do you like the head bomb? The ISPCC has gotten into a bit of trouble because they have this cartoon where if you don't talk about your problems and share your problems, that your head's going to explode and there's Mm. a song going, it's a head bomb and it's on on the TV. They've come under a lot of fire from psychologists. You don't like it? No, I don't like it. I don't like it because of the images that it portrays. Uh, the, the song is very catchy. Um, I don't like the word cake hole, by the way. In it either. <laughs> you know, but that's just me being a purist. I didn't think anyone even used the word cake hole. No, I, you know, but it's the very English thing, actually. I thought it, it was a double yeah. thing. Yeah. I, I just don't, it doesn't, like, if you're, I'm looking at it from a child's perspective. If you're watching that and you're trying to relate to that, I don't know how many children, young children, 
could relate to that in terms of you know the imagery I mean the head exploding and the eye popping into but a fish cartoon. but you see children nowadays remember and adults are very much in that cartoon space even look at Turner Turner is out every day with a different cartoon depicting Trump and everything we live in a cartoon based mm-hmm. world now mm-hmm. so we're, we've actually shifted an awful lot from the reality and it's our way of not dealing with reality is to moving into that cartoon space I mean the last cinema uh, iteration that I went to the last time I was in the cinema I went to see the troll movie the troll movie I didn't go to see uh, The Mummy or any of those I went to see it. now it was a beautiful thing and it's a lovely happy clappy thing but again it was uh, for me who works at a, a different level with different uh, stresses etc that to me was fantastic because it was happy clappy and it was wonderful total escapism and I went to a troll movie and I of course needless to say used the excuse of my grandchildren to bring with me <laughs> so we're in a very much in a, an escapist type of uh, world where we look to cartoon now to escape mm-hmm. you know and that began I think a lot with the Simpsons and all of that you didn't yeah, it really actually mm-hmm. and, and cartoons beca- became adult focused yeah, as well yeah. Yeah. Like but it's becoming a reality too to yeah. a certain extent so it's a personal thing about the head bombs it yeah. doesn't do it for me certainly I think it's it's a bit alarmist I think it could have been you know couched a little bit differently I understand what the ISPCC mm. are trying to do and they do tremendous and how, work and how do you tell children about speaking about it, their problems I mean do you have it with a catchy tune and a few like images that you might think are weird but maybe they think what are do you remember like, from well. childhood don't you remember one, look for a safe place. Our, yeah. Two, don't worry, every single stop word. And wait. Yeah. <laughs> you do. Every yeah. single word. But that, 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 but it, it didn't show a child being splattered across the road, mm. did it? No, no it, it didn't did not. Right. You yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. So there are ways of doing it, which is a catchy tune without splatting a child's head across a, a screen. So Catherine, you've just seen it. Yeah, I know. And I heard a, a child use the words there a week or two ago and I, didn't, I hadn't actually seen the mm. ad. So I wasn't, I didn't really... I said, I don't know what that is. Yeah. But mm-hmm. um, no, having having viewed it, I, I don't know, Reid, as, as Maria said, I don't know how, how kids would relate to it because to me it looked very extreme. So if you're if you're a child, and again, Maria would more have more experience of the up to, say, 12 years of age mm-hmm. cohort. If you're a child looking at that, it's and your head has to be exploding. You need to be in serious, serious distress, you know, mm-hmm. and then you're encouraged to speak about it. And I think about the child that just has maybe a low level anxiety or whatever are they going to but the fact that you have to make an ad that's aimed I think it's 8 to 12 year olds but I, I stand to be corrected on that but that you have to make an ad about that level of anxiety mm. aimed at kids that age mm. but I it is out there that is the level of anxiety of that's out there today. there are two things about it I suppose it really is highlighting and ISPCC is absolutely correct they're the people in the know mm. and they're getting the calls from children of that age and younger and that is absolutely factual and I think what this should really um, be doing is it should be a warning signal to the adults that this is happening and to society but unfortunately for me aiming it at the child and I so uh, agree with Catherine in this you know if a child feels that they must get to that level where their head actually physically explodes before they can actually speak about something it's too late Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know and I don't think a child would do that and you must remember children are very reluctant to actually and they don't have the language Mm. you know what we're trying to do now I suppose in schools particularly is give the children the language to express themselves the other thing we're trying to do is of course is allow the children the space 
to express themselves. Whereas before, that was that allowed. Every minute of every child's day that I know seems to be structured, filled with something yes. to do, yes. and being brought here, there, and everywhere. And there's a lot of stuff, even play dates. There's a lot of stuff on about, about that. There, there's no time for boredom allowed, yeah, and that cool. boredom imagination is actually what's a, yeah, yeah what, mm. what kind of sparks creativity mm. and imagination and stuff. But there, God, I mean, when you look. I don't remember having a schedule when I was seven no, or eight years of age. All. You went to school, you came home. Dancing, like, once you ran, a week or something. I did nothing. I, did, I could never remember the five pence to go to Irish dance here, so I didn't even do that. <laughs> but like, I, did, I, did, I didn't do nothing. No sports, no nothing. It was terrible. But like, I survived. But now kids seem to have every single minute of the day and the weekends is schedule, yeah. schedule, schedule, schedule. Like it's but that's pressure that parents are putting on one another, you see, because they see that other parents are doing this. And, they and yeah. it's so true that children and I see it now with with my grandchildren I see where they love going in now they're only tiny and they love that time to go into their own rooms and play independently with their own stuff mm. and I love that so much <coughs> because you know every now and then you give a shout down to see that they're okay <laughs> but just in case they're but okay. the silence you know yeah, the <laughs> silence. but they're going yeah I'm okay but you can hear the, the, the imaginary play going on and you know to me yeah. that is so so important and we don't allow children no. the opportunity to do that because we feel we have to fill their heads and their space yeah. and their bodies and their time everything mm. yeah you know People like the would best want to get fun, alive. like a blanket and a couple of chairs, and you, you know, exactly. if it's raining outside, yeah. and you make this fort or a tent, whatever it was, a and flash lamp. Yes, yeah. We all loved oh, a flash lamp. You know, that was just like yeah. that was just the height of the yeah. 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 And then if you snacks, bring down something, you know, especially stuff you're not usually allowed, you know, <laughs> and bring it down and try and eat it without being heard, you know, especially if it's crunchy, and yeah. eat it under the blanket, and that's what life is all yeah. about, you yeah. know. Um, but we do, we try and fill, but we fill space. Even in a conversation nowadays, if there's a pause, we feel we have to fill the pause instead of it being a reflective space mm. where, you know, silence is actually okay. No such okay. thing as a comfortable silence. Yeah. Like it's real, like, all. It's I know, and, and I have to say, because I'm the worst for it, you know, you're, you're, you're meeting a friend for a coffee or whatever mm. and they nip to the loo or something. What do you do? You take out your phone and you scroll through it just yeah. to see what's going on instead yeah. of that three minutes of... What did we do before our phones? What did we do? They're, 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 you know what, they're a necessary evil now. And it's dreadful because I used to, you know, I, I would have the opportunity to, to go abroad quite a bit. And I used to say um, that watching others on, we'll say, planes and trains and every other place like that, and they using their phones, nobody's speaking to another, yeah. everybody with their head down. And I said, oh my goodness, that's dreadful. Mm. At least in Ireland, on the Lewis or wherever mm, you people are, chat. people chat, they, they don't. you know. But it's beginning to turn that way yeah. as well here. You know, yeah. everybody has their phone out, the headphones in. But even like at the Ariana Grande concert in, in Manchester there last week, like it, it was on the television. You could have it recorded. You're there and you're standing there filming it, mm. looking at it through exactly. your phone. Yeah, it yeah. just baffles me. Well, it those totally are things that I, yeah, I don't understand. You know, when you see um, years ago, it used to be the thing with Japanese tourists, you know, where photographing yeah. everything and I used to think yeah. you know you were at way on holidays and you'd see all this going on I used to always think but they haven't actually seen the thing for real yeah. they go home and they you know whatever Look they're at, at the, the Eiffel Tower exactly. they haven't actually stood and looked at the Eiffel Tower they've spent all their time taking photographs of it yeah. mm. so and I have to say I'm not a brilliant one for taking photographs no. on my phone either or I'd never even think of recording something no. you know because um, I like to actually try and be in the moment yeah. as mm. much as possible I wonder will it get to the stage though where we'll say enough is enough with all of this technology that, you know, as you say, we can't sit at a table for five minutes on our own and we just take out our phones and mm. start scrolling through them. Will we ever go, no, 
this isn't the life that I want. I don't want a, a, lot of a people Twitter do. feed that's set up yeah, by telling me to, things that I want to hear. You have to make that decision. And I think that that's back to people having the sense to actually say that and to step outside of the norm because the norm is, I mean, for years there, it was nearly seen as cool to sit down in front of a television and bring your dinner in with you because it was actually in some of the ads on television you brought your, 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 your tray, tray in, in. Yeah. whereas the TV informed dinner. people and the informed families will say right we're sitting down at half past five for dinner everybody eats and by the way everybody eats the same dinner yeah. not five different yes. dinners yeah and also you put away any of your laptops or whatever yeah. else and equally at meetings now it's becoming more the norm where people are told no laptops, no phones. Mm. You are present at the meeting. Yeah. And that's becoming the norm now. But imagine we had to come to that mm. level mm. of understanding. I learned my trade, I'm convinced of it, by having debates. We always had great debates around our dinner table. Mm. Myself, my brother, my mum and dad. And we all, the four of us, would get involved in these conversations. And I'm convinced that's why I do what I do now. Yeah. And I love conversations like this where, you know, everybody just gets to, it just evolves and it can go in any direction. And I, I take that back to those um, family dinners that I had mm. with my family because we would talk through everything, anything and everything. And there was no, like... My parents would never say, like, you can't say that, you can't say that. You were allowed to have your opinion. You were allowed to express your opinion. And it's so beneficial. And I don't think you realise until you see people who don't have it, mm-hmm. like who don't, who never sit down for a family dinner. People who don't even have a table anymore because nobody sits at it anyway. Yeah. So we didn't mm-hmm. bother buy one. So we just sit with like lap trays and have our, our dinner and just watch TV or be on our phones or whatever and it's kind of sad I think that's sad so in, is, and yeah. in a way it's uh, kind of getting back to our, the original topic we started off with in a way it's almost coming back to schools again yeah. that we have to try and develop those oral communication skills in students mm. in, in children because they're they're not really developing them at home because yeah. they're not having that they're time not even for talking to each other like they're texting the whole yeah. time yeah. they're not looking at they're not like if I say something to you you can read my expression mm. you can hear my tone of voice if I text you you interpret what I've yeah. written and you can't look at my face at all and you don't learn anything about picking up on people's cues or all those, you know, micro gestures or expressions yeah. that they have that all teaches you how to like it's deal a, with people. It's a very important mm. part of communication is yeah. to, to learn to understand body language and facial cues and all that. I mean, no yeah. wonder they're all anxious. They're not actually talking to anyone. Yeah. They're just communicating via device. And, and mm. you know you've brought up such an important point there by default where you didn't even realise you were doing <laughs> this spot. <laughs> My gift. It's your <laughs> gift, exactly. You know, where people are saying now that technology really with smart boards and whiteboards in classrooms, are that's so, so important. But the academics and the Pazzi Salbergs of this world, who is an educational academic, will always say you can never replace the person of the teacher. Mm-hmm. The person in that room is the most important person. So technology will never replace. It's a tool, but it will never replace because mm. for the very reasons you're saying, interpretation comes from expression and from hearing and even encouraging that whole critical thinking aspect that we spoke mm. about earlier. I mean, a whiteboard cannot encourage you to be a critical thinker. It can put up different questions or different scenarios. But a teacher can actually prompt and can actually go to the people that we spoke about earlier, the quiet, reflective child at the back of the room that may be suffering, Mm. that nobody talks about because Mm. they're compliant, they turn in wonderful homework, they wear their uniform perfectly, Mm. they're never late for school. 
that child could be the very child mm. that requires more input and more support than the child who acts out and throws the chair around the room. Yeah. And the only person that can identify that in reality is the person that's in that room, which is the teacher. So it's so important for us to remember that technology, with all its its positivity, should never replace the human touch and the human person. Mm. And until we really get that and stop you know, lauding all the time the wonders and the joys of technology, you know, which is true mm. and I yeah, accept all of that. But we also have to, in tandem with that, accept that the person and the human person is really what's important. Yeah. I mean, humanity I, 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 is I what's important. I could text Catherine now. How are you today, Catherine? Fine, thanks. That's the answer I get yeah. back to my yeah. text. If I say it to her, she might go, fine, thanks. And I, I just know she's you, not you fine. Know about, yes, yeah. exactly. You know, and that's whereas if I'm reading, the, I'm reading her text, I think, ah, she's grand. I don't mm-hmm. have to think about mm-hmm. it anymore. I think mm-hmm. it's a very, very important skill that, in my opinion, and I have no basis for saying this other than uh, my own thoughts on it, that the young, young people, and I mean really young people who only know technology like this, are losing and I don't know how they're going to interact yeah. with each other or if they're even going to interact with each other. Is it all going to be through, you know, likes and, and photos? Mm-hmm. And that's your entire life where you post pictures of yourself. You've filtered the hell out of them. You've you've done all of that. You've you're from the get go. You're presenting this false impression of yourself. Mm. And all the time, you know, inside mm. That's not the real me. That's filtered. Oh God! Yeah. And can you imagine? And they're going to go right now, and they're going to see me teeth are actually yeah. yellow. And yeah. the you know, impact that has on people. Yeah. It's just, and you know, we, and we are, know life before it. We, and exactly. Mm. And we are, you know, human beings are beings. Mm. We're not doings. We are beings, and we are relational by our nature. And the only thing that actually, I remember years and years ago, somebody saying to me, the only thing that actually ensures that you know you exist is by somebody else telling you you exist. Yeah. If you were on your own, you wouldn't know you were there. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, if somebody else tells you you're there, you know you're there. So, I mean, and that's a simple analogy, mm, yeah. you know. And until we actually bring people back to that, and isn't it a lazy thing to do as well, to give a child a laptop or a, mm, a tablet mm. and something, you should go off and play with your tablet, you know, while I do something else or I go on Facebook or I do whatever. Mm. The number of people I see picking children up from school and this is a bugbear of mine. <laughs> they pick the little kitty up in school who's dying to talk about their day. And what is the person doing? They're on their phone. Yeah. And I'm there going, talk to your child. And I think that's, that's contributing yeah. to the anxiety as well, mm. because you've nobody to focus on you. If your parents, and I'm sure they do focus on them mm. at some stage. Yeah. But if you're, as you say, running out from school, you want to tell mommy or daddy about your day and they're distracted your day is instantly lessened. Yeah, yeah, you're just course, thinking, yeah. ah, sure, they don't care. The, like my day the moment is lost, good. you know, yeah. and mm-hmm. you don't yeah. get it back, you know. And, and it's not a criticism. I mean, we all are, you know, um, having to deal with things now. I mean, email, everything has to be answered now. And that's part mm-hmm. of the anxiety in society now, because it's now we don't get time to think and reflect. Mm. You know, one of the key things we always say to newly appointed principals, which is the area I'm in, would be say to people, that's a good um, idea. Or uh, thank you for bringing that to my attention. I'll come back to you. Yeah. Don't give feel you have space. to give yeah. the answer there and yeah. then. But with technology, you see, the answer is nearly immediate. Mm. If somebody is texting you or whatever they're doing, the requirement is if you don't answer straight away, where are you? Are you yeah. all right? You know, it's there's nearly an anxiety about straight away responding. Mm. So like we need to use technology for the good that it can be. 
but also be very cautious of what it can do as well in terms of, you know, destroying what we are as human beings, mm. which is relational people. Catherine, with your other hat on, your, mm. your model agent hat mm. on, um, I, I spoke there a little while ago about, you know, having likes on photos and mm. filters and, you know, everything perfect and you can totally change, like on your own actual oh, phone. Yeah, you yeah. don't even have to yeah. go and pay a photographer to I do know, it anymore. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and do you see like a problem with that for, for younger people well, coming up who don't know a life outside of that life? Um, I don't know about that, but I see a problem with is, you know, people will, you know, they'll email me and they'll send me on some pictures or whatever. And then, um, like, generally what I do is, you know, if if, if they have, you know, they're tall enough or whatever, mm. and if I think they look like they might be suitable, I'll, I'll set up a meeting. And so they, sometimes they turn up and they actually don't look remotely like their photographs at all. Because no the way. photographs have been so filtered. Um it's it's very it's it's actually very hard to know and and it goes back to what you were saying earlier about you have to have the one on one yeah mm. yeah personal interaction with somebody and you you see that spark in them or whatever but um people who are sending off photos that have been filtered and then they it they mm. they, they actually don't look like that at all it's but that must put added pressure on you because you know like back in my day you sent your photos off for two weeks mm. you waited yeah, for, yeah. for two weeks to be developed and they came back and you know you looked at all the crappy ones and you might have taken some of them out but you didn't delete them straight away when yeah. you'd taken mm. them because yeah. you know you had to wait for them to be developed, developed and yeah. I often think I'm glad I didn't get rid of some of the ones because they're hilarious to yeah. look at now some of your actually crappy photos um, yeah, but a lot but, of young people are very they are, they are way ahead of me when it comes to knowing exactly I, like I didn't only figured out recently where the camera actually yeah. in the phone you know, if you take, I'm terrible I don't I'm useless at selfies haven't a clue um, and they know their angles and they know the best yeah. place to hold it they know to go to the, where the light's coming in through a window and all that I wouldn't have but do you think they'll get to the stage where they're disappointed in their actual self because it's not their filtered self if you know what I mean do you know I mean. what I was, I, and I heard something on I either read or heard something about this lately um, it might have been to do with the British general election actually I think when they were I was watching you know, that thing the last leg last night mm. and they were saying that um, young people we forget they, they have actually grown up with this and they're extremely savvy about the whole thing so a lot of them know that when they look a pic- at a picture they know it's been filtered they know it's been edited they actually know that a lot of what they see isn't the total reality but they must know then that they're real self could potentially be a disappointment. Yes, and I mm. think that's what, if they do know that... Like they're not living up to their online yeah, self. Yeah. If yeah. they do know that, that it's not, then they also know as to why it had to be that way. Yeah. In other words, that perfection has to supersede reality. You know, in other mm. words, mm. your reality, which is you with whatever, you know, shape you are, isn't good enough. Mm. That it has to be altered to actually fit into the norm. And that everything... so. In fact, what it is, it's it's creating a reality that is not a reality at all. Isn't that another added pressure that we could all do without? I mean, thankfully, I don't do Facebook. I don't mm. do any of those things. It, a lot of people see it as lazy. It's not. It's, it's a choice I've made. Mm. But equally, I mean, when you meet somebody on the street and you see them for who they are, that's really what life is all mm. about. Mm. Not what they look like on a photograph. Listen here to me. Communion and confirmation time. What are they doing? <laughs> Putting their children on sunbeds, getting them the mm. spray tan, getting the nails done. Would people ever get a life and <laughs> yeah. realise that they're perpetrating this alter ego reality that's not there at all? You know, so, and I mean, that would be people that I would expect to know better. 
But is that not just it's a, it's you know particularly for little girls mm. it's a special day they have oh, beautiful long dress. Oh special is special and, but what you know, means special Maria? Does special mean that you bring a child and put her on a sunbed so that she has a tan so that she illegal, can wear the so dress? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh they have them at home now quite that. Great. I mean there are ways of circumventing that or getting them the spray tan or getting like I have seen small children walk in to, on their communion day and they look far and removed from what they look like in reality. And I'm not talking about, yeah. I mean, the hair and all the rest, that's mm. all part of it. Don't mm. get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. And being made special is all part of it. But you can take this to a whole mm. different level. You but know. I think the hilarious thing is you go through all of that and they never darken the door of the church again. Or it happens before or after. But I yeah. actually would notice as well that I, I think young young people and teenagers and kids, they need breaks from social media. Yeah. Um, we, we were lucky enough to move into a brand new school building just over a year ago. And um, the students in the old building, they had been allowed out for lunch. So during lunchtime, they were obviously all on their phones mm. or whatever because they were uptown. And now they're in school all day um, they're not allowed, obviously they're not allowed their phones and there's very poor coverage within the building as well so it's not mm. even worth their while taking their phones out and they are sitting around and while they balked at the start they are sitting around and they are talking, talking. Mm-hmm. and they are having conversations and mm. like a couple of months into it a lot of them said this is actually great yeah you know they're having real conversations they're particularly senior students are discussing their futures yeah. they're discussing plans you know they're re and um, kind of on a similar related level i was doing a poem with them uh, it's a an ivan boland poem which is based on the 1974 bombings in dublin um called child of our time mm. and we, i was kind of linking it it was about you know a child that she'd seen a picture of in the paper and you know it's kind of a comment on violence and stuff and then i was linking it into say the, the syrian child that was washed up on the beach and i was linking it into um the chewing babies story was in yeah. the news at the time that i was doing it and this was these were six years and you know, really good kids and and they said what's what do you mean what's the chewing babies what are you talking about and i said Hang on a minute. You can probably tell me what the Kardashians had for breakfast. Mm. And I like I, I kind of screenshot a few articles from the newspapers and I could see them going around to lunch on the day going, oh, my God, did you hear about yeah. this? And then they came in and I said, I, I actually watched the news last night. I can't believe that that happened. And I said, yeah. now I said, and, and they actually they all copped, they twigged. I know what the Kardashians have for breakfast, but I didn't know yeah. about yeah. these kind of things. And they, they kind do of they get that their social media feeds are filtered to their likes? No, I, I don't see, think no, because it's that. their reality. In some way, it has to be enforced because none of the mm. kids are going to go. I think we should all stay over phones for lunchtime. Yeah. I don't think they're going to do that. Yeah, it, it, they have to be made to do it and to see what they're missing yeah. by being on their phones. Oh, and they and time. they find they find it very difficult initially, but yeah. eventually they get used to it. But right? what do they yeah. see? They see the teachers with their phones, don't yeah. they? Mm-hmm. So equally, what's sauce for the goose is sauce for the gander. So mm. it should be across the board. Yeah. If we're yeah. going to ask our te- our students and our, our pupils not to do it, equally, there should be a moratorium mm-hmm. on phones for staff as well. Mm. And I've, I've no time for people criticising long, teachers' long holidays. We could all have qualified as teachers and we could all have long holidays. Mm. So well, there's listen, no point I, I was, whatever day, the, 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 the day we were getting the holidays, the Friday, I happened to be driving to work and the vitriol on the radio <laughs> at the holidays was oh, just... I just, I just say, fine, yeah, isn't it wonderful? And then say, come and do the job and people yeah. go, not in a million years. <laughs> and that's the answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maria Doyle, Catherine Cahill, thanks very much for joining me on this week's Back Chat. Back Chat with Maria McCann. If you've enjoyed this and you'd like to hear more, just search for Backchat with Maria McCann wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe. There's a new episode available around 7pm every Sunday evening. And so you don't miss anything, please like my Facebook page. That's Backchat with Maria McCann.
The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love. Like taking those perfect new year, new you portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. It's the best way to stay connected to everyone you'll heart most in 2019. So get ready to fall in love with iPhone XR on T-Mobile, the most loved in wireless. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE to learn more or visit a store today. Skydiving. This is amazing. Yeah, but you know what else is amazing? An iPhone 6S for just 49 bucks at Metro. Really? Imagine streaming all the way down with that amazing camera. I'm switching. That's smart. You know what else is smart? Parachutes. Woo! Switch to Metro and get an amazing iPhone 6S for only 49 bucks. Metro by T-Mobile. Phone offer requires port in of number not currently active on T-Mobile network or active on Metro in past 90 days. See store for details and terms and conditions.